Welcome to Ask an Israeli Lawyer, Renting an Apartment, Part 1. There are three professionals or individuals with whom you may want to consider consulting when renting an apartment. One is a real estate agent, the second is a lawyer, and the third is an engineer. Most people prefer to avoid all three. However, depending on the circumstances, at least one of them renting through a, an agent may be difficult to avoid if the apartment that you're interested in is in an area of high demand. Each of these professionals, of course, expect a fee for their services. Both the real estate agent and the lawyer generally charge a month's rent plus value-added tax, while an engineer generally charges a fixed fee. So the real estate agent would be helping you find a particular apartment. The lawyer will check the rights that the landlord has in order to be able to rent to you, as well as your obligations and rights in the contract. And the engineer will inspect the apartment to see if there are any deficiencies or problems that you might encounter. For instance, many apartments in Israel suffer from ritivut, or leakage, seepage from upstairs or outside walls. Sometimes faucets may not have adequate pressure. There may be sewage problems or other items that might be discovered by an engineer, but of course you need to do a cost-benefit analysis to determine whether it's worth it for you to hire an engineer. So for instance, if you have a very expensive apartment that you'd be renting, you likely would be more inclined to retain the services of an engineer to make sure that the condition of the apartment is what you expect it to be. I would say generally from my experience, most people do not hire an engineer for inexpensive apartments. However, that increases the importance of your do- you're doing your own due diligence. Make sure that you walk into the apartment, turn on faucets to see the water pressure, see if there are drips in the faucets, see if the toilet flushes well, whether there is pressure in the shower, whether the water goes down well, whether there are drafts. Check to see if there's a heating system, if the heating system works. If there's an air conditioning system, make sure the air conditioner works. Look around and see the walls and the corners and ceilings to see if there's any signs of ritivut. While fresh painting may be nothing more than ensuring that the apartment is clean, it may also be an indication that the landlord is trying to hide something that you would see but for the new paint job. I'm often asked by people who are considering renting an apartment whether they need a written document or an oral agreement is sufficient. The answer is that an oral agreement under Israeli law is binding upon the parties. However, it may be difficult for you to prove what those terms were. If the landlord says that he and she or she agreed to a rental of X and you believe that the landlord agreed to a rental of Y, unless you have a written document indicating what the actual rent is, you may have a dispute rather quickly. Whether you have an option to renew or extend the lease and on what terms, that is another term that should be reflected in the written agreement. I am a big proponent of having a lawyer who has experience in Israel as an Israeli lawyer review all leases before either my tenants' clients or landlord clients sign the lease. That is to ensure that my client's rights are protected and that the document reflects 
the best terms and conditions that would be available for my client. There are numerous terms that should be reflected in the lease, and it is important for you to be aware, at least from a general perspective, subject to getting proper advice from a lawyer, as to what those conditions should be and what those terms should be. Obviously, the first is the location of the property. It's standard practice in Israeli leases to have the lease include the address, the apartment number, and even the block and lot number for that apartment. One of the reasons for doing so is to make sure that your lawyer can investigate to make sure that the person with whom you are entering into the lease is the person who actually owns the apartment or has the rights to rent the apartment to you. If you give money to a person who doesn't actually own the apartment or doesn't have the right to lease the apartment to you, you may have thrown away money that you would otherwise be able to put towards a legitimate lease. The number of rooms of the apartment is something rather basic that you look at and see how many rooms there are. However, the meterage of the apartment, how much space is in it, will have an impact both on the Arnona that you have to pay, the municipal tax, as well as your expectations from the lease itself. A few years ago, a person contacted me after having rented a business space and said that before they entered into the lease, they were under the impression from discussions that the size of the space was X. And when they actually went into the property after the previous tenants vacated and measured the property, they realized that it was a different size. It doesn't matter whether the size was significantly more or significantly less. If it was significantly more, while they may enjoy the benefit of having more space, they'll also be paying a higher property tax than they otherwise would have expected. If the space is smaller from a technical point of view than they were under the impression, then obviously they will be paying a higher rent for smaller space. Whether, for instance, you have a machsan, a storage room, included in your rental, whether there's a parking space that is available to you, whether you have the rights to use the garden, which may be affixed to the apartment, and whether that right is exclusive. If it does include a parking space, you want to know which parking space that is. Is the parking space in a location which is virtually inaccessible? Has somebody else occupied that space and put some storage material there which would prevent you from using it? These are the types of issues that you need to consider when you are entering into a lease. Similarly, very often it's standard procedure in Israeli leases for the tenant to waive their rights under the tenant protection law. Virtually a day doesn't go by when somebody asks me how they can be waiving their rights under the tenant protection law. And the answer is that the tenant protection law is not what it sounds like it does. Tenant protection law, for those who came from New York City, for instance, pertains to a concept similar to rent-controlled apartments. There are specific limited number of apartments that have a guaranteed lower rent and for which the tenant has special rights vis-a-vis the landlord, a limitation on the amount that the rent can be increased, the ability of the landlord to remove the tenant from the apartment under various conditions. And therefore, under Israeli practice, this specific law only applies to a limited number of apartments. You generally would know about it if this particular apartment fell under that category. And therefore, it is standard for your landlord to expect you to waive your rights under the apartment, under that provision of the law. 
Further, an Israeli lease generally includes the bare four walls, sometimes bare light bulbs in the apartment, but unless the lease says otherwise, it does not include furnishings, it does not include appliances, including a refrigerator and stove. When I first moved to Israel and actually did have a lawyer, my lawyer didn't provide good service to me. And I was shocked to find out when I moved into the apartment that it didn't have a working oven and refrigerator, having come from New York, where that's a standard provision included in all leases. In Israel, it does not include those fixtures unless it says so expressly in the contract. Uh, Similarly, if you're expecting a furnished apartment and presumably would be paying more for that furnished apartment, you should make sure that the lease specifies the condition of the apartment. Again, you'll be inspecting the apartment yourself, especially if you don't have an engineer, to make sure the condition of the furnishings is what you expect it to be. And if, for instance, there's a stain on furniture or if there's some defect in the walls or a broken window, you should have a walkthrough of the apartment before you take possession. And that's something that should be noted by both parties on a written document before you take possession of the apartment. The amount of rent, the currency of that rent, how frequently the rent is paid, and whether or not the rent is set only for the initial term or if there's an option period and the rent is determined in that option period are two other factors that should be considered in renting an apartment. Most people expect to rent for more than one year or two years if they're happy with the apartment. You don't want to be in a position after one year, after you enjoy being in the lease, to find out that your landlord wants to increase the rent by an astronomical amount, which would put you in the uncomfortable position of having to either relocate with all the related expenses of doing so, or paying a higher rent than would otherwise be reasonable under the circumstances. Therefore, your lawyer will often recommend to you that you ensure with an E that your lease includes an option period and that the terms of that option period be reflected in the lease so that if you have a rent amount in the initial period, you want your option period to be covered in the lease by having a specific rent or a rent increase set forth in the lease itself. Security is often an issue of dispute between the parties initially or afterwards uh, as to what collateral you should be providing. It is standard in Israel for the tenant to pay some amount, certainly in the initial term, some amount up front. They often, landlords will often require checks to be provided for payments in the future. A landlord will often require a promissory note called a shtar chov for a particular amount to cover damages. Oftentimes will require two guarantors to be obligated under the promissory note or Starhov. Sometimes they will unreasonably require cash deposit, something I strongly recommend to my clients that they not accept. They often, landlords will require bank guarantee, which is almost the equivalent of a cash deposit, which you can and should avoid, particularly if you can provide a promissory note with guarantors. Uh, You should avoid having a cash deposit or a bank guarantee because it is too easy for the landlord to enforce the rights that it has by refusing to release the cash deposit or to use it 
for what it claims are damages that you may have caused to the apartment due to the term of the lease. If you have a promissory note, the landlord needs to go to court or to the Hotza La Paul, which is the execution office, in order to enforce the claim against you. If, however, the landlord's holding your cash or a blank check, perish the thought, or a bank guarantee, it's relatively easy for the landlord to use his or her leverage to force you to pay for whatever damage they allegedly claim that you caused to the apartment. Just as when you first go into the apartment, you should have an inspection together with the landlord and note any problems or deficiencies. I also generally recommend to my clients to take pictures of the entire apartment, particularly if they notice any defects such as cracks, leakage, stains, etc. Similarly, when they leave the apartment, I recommend that they also take photos, even if the landlord is present and does a walkthrough again to validate whatever the condition of the apartment was at the time that you leave. Another issue that comes up in leases is whether the tenant is required to paint the apartment upon vacating. The answer generally is that the rule of acceptable practice in Israel is if the apartment is freshly painted when you first start your lease, it's not unreasonable for the landlord to expect you to paint it when you leave the lease. Obviously, that's going to incur a cost. And if the lease, for instance, requires professional painting as opposed to private painting, it's going to be more expensive for you to incur that cost And usually tenants are not that thrilled to have to incur that cost when they're leaving the apartment, whereas they enjoy having a freshly painted apartment when they first move in. It is standard procedure in most leases in Israel, at least that's something that we recommend tenants include in their lease, that the condition of the apartment is the same as it was when it was first rented, less reasonable wear and tear. That phrase is crucial in your protecting your rights and not having unreasonable demands by your landlord at the time when you leave the apartment. The Chokas Chirut Vahash Eila, the lease and lending law, was amended somewhat recently and referred to generally as the fair rental law. We'll discuss in more detail in our next podcast the details of the rights and obligations of the parties under the fair rental law, but people should be aware upfront as to what the limitations are of that law, and we will discuss it more in our next podcast. But I'd like to end this podcast on rental by again recommending strongly that you invest in the peace and quiet for the term of your rental and afterwards by hiring an Israeli lawyer to review and, if necessary, negotiate the terms of the lease on your behalf with your landlord. The investment that you make in hiring a lawyer to protect your rights will give you the peace and quiet of having those rights in place during the term of the lease and afterwards. Thank you for joining us for this podcast and we look forward to meeting you again in our next one.